Hello, folks. Jason Vealy here. Thank you very much for tuning into the program here tonight. Unfortunately, something came up at the last minute here on on Wednesday night, and uh, it required my immediate attention. So instead of the typical programming that we usually have, I'm going to be doing a Best of Jason Vealy episode for tonight. Um, These will be segments from uh, prior weeks, uh, segments that I think are, are still relevant um, and uh, might inspire you. So I think you'll like it. Um, it's perfect for those who are just tuning into the program for the first time. Um, get to know me a little bit. But I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, again, I apologize that this isn't your typical program, but uh, rest assured I will be back tomorrow, Thursday, April 15th, for, uh, for a normal radio program. So I hope you have a great night. Enjoy the show. God bless, and I'll see you tomorrow. Now, broadcasting from behind enemy lines, deep in the trenches of the Patriot resistance, leading the charge in the battle for liberty, this is the Jason Feely Program. I think that this past election was absolutely stolen. It was replete with fraud. It was a scam. And I think the President of the United States reiterated this point very clearly uh, in his CPAC speech on Sunday night, um, which I'm going to be playing a little bit of later on in the program. But it absolutely was. It was stolen. It was a stolen election. And so now Joe Biden sits in the White House with Vice President Kamala Harris. And they're seeking to finish the fundamental transformation that Barack Obama started. I think that that's the end game, folks. Barack Obama started this fundamental transformation. Those were his words. Those were his words. The younger people in this audience might not remember, but before Barack Obama became president... Just weeks before he was elected, he went on record as saying that we're just a few days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. That's their goal. That was his goal. And now Biden is taking it upon himself to finish what Obama started. Now, I've asked this question before, transform America into what? Transform America into what? If you're going to talk about fundamentally transforming this country, don't you think it's important that we at least take a look at the roadmap that the Democrats are laying out for us? At least, you know, consider where we're going to end up once this fundamental transformation is over? I'll tell you what, folks, that place is a very, very dark place. It's an America that I don't want to to experience. I don't want my children to experience. That's the end game here. That's what we're fighting against. Look at what's going on right now in the country. Look at what's going on. 
Joe Biden threatening to blow the roof off the budget. Just for starters, you know, he has an entire radical agenda laid out, but hell, let's start with the budget. The spending on things like infrastructure, free tuition, you know, that's coming down the road. Biden threw this country back into the Paris Climate Accord. Dishing out money, enslaving future generations in piles and piles of debt. Reparations, you know that's coming at some point. They're already starting to talk about it. How many trillions will that cost us? So the the the, the economic side of things is is uh, just the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. And folks, this is, I want to emphasize, especially for you young people listening in the audience, how serious of a threat this is. Joe Biden, like Barack Obama, is going to blow up, blow out the budget. He's going to send the, the national debt through the roof on these massive socialist redistribution of wealth projects on things like I just mentioned, like uh, infrastructure and free this and free that programs that frankly, we can't afford right now programs that we don't need right now programs that will lead us to financial ruin. And you young people out there, when you grow up, you get older, you have kids one day, If these Democrats are able to get their way with this this massive spending, this economic ruin, you and your kids and your grandkids are going to be feeling the effects of it. Through massive inflation, massive taxes... It's coming, folks. I'm telling you, there's there, there's no way to avoid it. Given the plan that the Democrats have laid out. It doesn't take an economic scholar to figure it out. You look at the Constitution. Being shredded before our very eyes. Do we even have a First Amendment anymore? Do we even have a First Amendment anymore? I don't know. Why don't you ask the fine folks who work at Parler? Why don't you ask the, the, the thousands upon thousands of patriotic Americans who have seen their social media accounts shut down for daring to speak out? in support of President Trump, daring to speak out against the fraud that happened in this past election, daring to speak out against Joe Biden and his ilk. Why don't you ask them if the First Amendment is dead or if it's, at a minimum, severely under attack? You know, in the next couple of weeks, the Biden administration is planning on on rolling out Uh, a controversial bill 
that's the word that they're using, but it's that that's an understatement if you ask me. That attacks the Second Amendment, rolls out sweeping new gun control uh, legislation. They're planning on doing that in the next two weeks. So don't tell me that the Second Amendment isn't under attack either. I, I mean, I could go on and on and on. The fact of the matter is the Constitution as it stands right now stands in the way of the liberals getting to the America that they want to get to. It stands in the way of them completing their fundamental transformation. And so in their eyes, it it, it must be shredded. It must be destroyed. This is no accident, folks. This assault on the First Amendment, this assault on religious freedom in many uh, instances, this assault on states' rights on the Second Amendment, and so on and so forth, it's no accident. They are intentionally subverting the United States Constitution. Because it's a threat to them. Because it's an obstacle to them. You look at schools. What the hell are are, our kids being taught in schools today? What are they being taught? Not Americanism. Not the true history of this country. Not to respect our founding. Not to respect the Constitution. They're being taught things like critical race theory. They're being taught that they have white privilege. They're being taught that there's 5,245 genders. And then, of course, there's the media. The media. Which I think... In many, in, in, in many ways, is the single biggest problem we have right now in this country. You can make the case that the electoral system and the fraud that goes on there is equally as pressing, uh, pressing of an issue. But folks, we, we have a media right now. That is, as Donald Trump said many times, the enemy of the people. The enemy of the people. Do you know why it's the enemy of the people? Because they intentionally lie to the people. How can you be on the people's side if you're lying to them about what's going on in the country? The media right now, and I'm sure I'll get more into this in in future uh, broadcasts. The media right now is in the in the Democrat Party's back pocket. The media is an appendage of the Democrat Party. They're helping to advance liberalism. That's that's why many of these networks exist. Their existence boils down to advancing liberalism. And destroying conservatism. I tell you what, folks, we need to push back. That's why I'm behind this microphone again. Because it's time to push back. You know, I, I have absolutely no tolerance for bullies. I never have. Growing up, 
you know, I, I, I learned from a young age that when someone pushes you, you push them back twice as hard. And that's what I think we need to do. I think the time for sitting down with the Democrat Party and discussing politics over a cup of tea is long gone. Now, that might seem kind of cynical, but it's the truth. This is the reality. This is reality. We have a grave threat that we are facing. That is liberalism. It is a cancer spreading through this country. And we need to fight it at all costs. It's been nearly a month since Texas governor lifted the mask mandate. And COVID cases continue to fall. Gee, how about that, folks? How about that? You know people like Governor Newsom out in California and Joe Biden were praying that Texas would experience a spike after Governor Abbott lifted the mask mandate. You know that they were praying for this because then they'd be able to come out here and say, I told you so, we need to wear masks for the next 10 years. But that's not what's happening, is it? Daily Wire. Nearly a month after Governor Governor Greg Abbott announced he was lifting the state's mask mandate, new daily cases in the Lone Star State continue on a downward trend, once again beating expert, quote-unquote, predictions of dire consequences. Yeah, those experts. They always get it right, don't they, folks? Those experts out there. You know, I'm... I am always very, very cautious and skeptical of anyone that, you know, calls himself, oh, I'm an expert. Experts say this. Experts say that. Whenever I see that in an article or I hear it in the news, I immediately am turned off. Because the experts, quote unquote, have gotten it wrong so many damn times before. Like right now, when Abbott announced the end to the mask mandate. Texas's seven-day average for new cases was at 7,259. For a seven-day period of time, the average for new cases was 7,259. That was at the beginning of uh, the, the end to the mask mandate, about a month ago. Now, it's roughly half that. So the number's been cut in half. That means that now, over a seven-day period, they're not having nearly as many new cases in Texas as they were before they lifted the mask mandate. How could this be, folks? How could this be? You lift the mask mandate, and instead of cases spiking, they drop. They're cut in half. What a concept, huh? What a concept. Now, you know. You know you'll never hear this on, on, uh, in the mainstream media. You'll never hear this story covered by CNN or MSNBC or CBS or any of them. 
you'll never hear it because it doesn't fit their agenda. It doesn't fit their agenda. But it's what's going on. Amazing, isn't it? Writer Drew Holden pointed out the statistics on Twitter, noting that, quote, when you look at mainstream media coverage about how Texas's decision was going to be a disaster, for some reason nearly all the stories are from the first week of March, and there haven't been really any since mid-March before the predictions uh, came due. And yeah, you know what, I'd like to call out people like Joe Biden for a minute who I believe called uh, this, what was it, Neanderthal thinking when Abbott decided to lift the mask mandate? Oh, it's just Neanderthal thinking. Yeah, yeah. Then he goes on to trip up the stairs three times like an idiot. Neanderthal thinking. Yeah? Look what's happening, you dope. Look what's happening. I'd also like to call out Governor Newsom, that radical socialist from California. Who also called out uh, Abbott's decision. He used the phrase, oh, it's absolutely reckless. Completely reckless. You owe Abbott an apology too, you jerk. Absolutely reckless, my ass. What do you think of this? You gonna pay any attention to it? Probably not. Probably not. That's right, because you're too busy over in California trying to avoid a recall. Right? By all those white, those, you know, white nationalists, right-wing extremists. Gavin Newsom, that joke. And just the media in general. All piling on Greg Abbott for this, oh my god, I can't believe he's doing this, lifting the mask mandate. Does he want people to die? Are any of these people going to offer an apology? No, they're not. You know why? Because they're frauds. And let me say something else. I find it hysterical, in a sad sort of way, how liberals aren't celebrating this. They're not celebrating this, are they? This should be something that is good news, right? Good news. We have an example of a state who lifted the mask mandate and actually saw new cases go down. Welcome back to the show, folks. I want to tell you about someone who is trying to get into the Biden administration um, that uh, many of you probably haven't heard of for whatever reason. Maybe you have. I, I don't know. I hadn't heard about her until today when I was doing show prep. Um, and what I found in my research on this individual is kind of shocking. Very concerning, to say the least. Her name is Vanita Gupta. And she uh, is likely going to be Joe Biden's associate attorney general. She had her uh, confirmation hearing uh, yesterday. I don't know how many days it's going to go on for, but at least part of it was held yesterday. uh, Before the the Senate Judiciary Committee. Vanita Gupta. Now, in my research on this woman, because again, I hadn't heard about her. Um, I didn't know anything, know anything about her. She strikes me as an anti-law enforcement liberal. She does. Now in the hearing, um, and I'm going to play audio in just a minute here. 
she, you know, she has to sound kind of centrist. She has to conduct herself in a way that uh, isn't radical Democrat leftist, but she is. And I'm going to prove that to you here. In the past, let me start with this. In the past, Vanita Gupta um, has voiced her support for ending qualified immunity for police officers. Now, for those of you who don't know, qualified immunity shields police officers from most lawsuits for alleged wrongdoing. Not all lawsuits. Because I, I, I could hear the liberals right now. Well, this whole thing, qualified immunity, just, you know, protects officers and there's no accountability whatsoever. No, that's not true. It's not all lawsuits. This isn't saying that there's no accountability in the police force. Um, it's simply saying that police officers are shielded from most lawsuits for alleged wrongdoing. Because otherwise, you could sue police officers for really anything. And instead of being out in the field serving their communities, police officers would constantly be tied up in court. So that's the that's that's a brief background of qualified immunity. And in the past, Vanita Gupta has said that she supports ending it, meaning taking away these protections for police officers. Now, she was questioned about this at the hearing yesterday by Senator John Cornyn. And I want to play this audio. Listen to how she dances around the question, which really was pretty straightforward. The question was simply, do you now support ending qualified immunity for police officers? Straightforward question. She wouldn't answer it. Listen to this from yesterday. Do you support the elimination of qualified immunity from, um, for lawsuits against the police? Senator, um, I suspect that you're referring to testimony that I gave before this committee over the summer when I was representing uh, the consensus views of the Civil Rights Coalition. Folks, wasn't it a straightforward question? He's not referencing anything in the past. He's asking right now, where you sit, do you support ending qualified immunity? But she starts her, her answer, her response by saying, Senator, I'm sure you're referencing this other time when X, Y, and Z. No, no, right now, do you support ending qualified immunity? What is it with liberals, ladies and gentlemen? Can't they follow a simple question? Keep listening. At the leadership conference. Um, in matters of policy, if I'm confirmed as associate attorney general, my guide, and I know there, this issue and many others around police accountability, the Senate's going to be considering in the Justice and Policing Act, um, the, we will follow the president's policy agenda uh, so long as it's consistent with the law. I have been talking a lot to law enforcement the last several months about all kinds of issues around the tension of how to ensure accountability while ensuring that law enforcement can do their jobs. And uh, if I am confirmed as Associate Attorney General, I will continue... Now, let, let me stop. She talks like it's, you know, well, it's a balancing act, right? We need 50-50 here. We need to figure out how police officers can still be held accountable while also at the same time making sure that they can do our jobs. If you had to guess, ladies and gentlemen... Which side do you think this woman 
leans more towards. Holding police officers accountable or letting them do their jobs. Probably holding them accountable, right? Which, in many cases, infringes upon their ability to let them do their jobs. I'm just saying, just pointing that out. Keep listening. You to leverage these relationships in law enforcement to understand their perspectives. Uh, and my commitment will solely be to the Constitution and federal law. Obviously, the doctrine of qualified immunity uh, is a judicial. Notice she's not answering the question. applies to much more, many more public sector employees than simply police officers. Uh, but that will be my, my commitment. Well, I, I heard your answer, but I didn't hear you answer the specific question is, do you support the um, elimination of qualified immunity for lawsuits against uh, government employees, including police officers? Senator, from where I sit now today in my personal capacity, I don't. I want to understand more the perspectives of law enforcement as well as the need. And I think we all recognize that I, I heard it really from every member of the committee when I testified this summer about the importance of ensuring that... She's filibustering, folks. She's filibustering. It's it's such a simple question. Do you support it now or don't you support it now? Do you want to end qualified immunity now? Yes or no? Well, Senator, I think that blah, 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 blah. No, 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 no. Yes or no? Well, Senator, I think that it's actually, you know, very complicated. I think that blah, blah, blah. Just answer the damn question. What the hell is the problem? She doesn't want to answer the question, folks, does she? Because the answer is yes. She believes in ending qualified immunity. Taking away protections for police officers. She believes in it. Let's keep listening. Communities... Uh, have faith that there is accountability when individual law enforcement engages in misconduct. I hear it from law enforcement as well, and I, I would look forward to working with law enforcement, with members of this committee, as you engage these really difficult and challenging questions that we're facing as a country right now about how to ensure accountability when misconduct happens uh, and how to ensure that law enforcement have the support they need to do their jobs. So you no longer support the elimination of qualified immunity? Third time. Is that your testimony? Senator, as I said, I uh, was testifying this summer representing the views of the coalition. uh, And my question is, you no longer do you no longer support the elimination of qualified immunity? I will say I don't come in supporting it uh, elimination one way or another. I my my duty, uh, if confirmed as associate attorney general, will be to follow the president's lead on these these kinds of policy issues so long as they're consistent with the law and to engaging and continuing to engage with civil rights leaders, community leaders, law enforcement on these very difficult questions of accountability. Yeah, doesn't that sound like a woman who really has the police officers' backs? Doesn't that sound like a woman who really stands with law enforcement? Not at all. Somehow, ladies and gentlemen, I think that She still believes in ending qualified immunity, stripping protections from officers. I think many of you listening would arrive at the same conclusion. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about this woman. And again, I'm talking about this because this has kind of fallen under the radar a bit. um, And I'm sure many people don't know about this, who she is and what she stands for. But if she's going to be uh, the associate attorney general... 
we need to know, we the people need to know where she stands. Right? Isn't that important? Let me tell you this. Vanita Gupta was also, I, I believe she still is, in fact, I know she still is, the president of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. She's the president and CEO of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. Now, out of morbid curiosity, I googled the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights. I went to their website. I read a little bit about it. Sure enough, it says right there on the About Us page, President CEO Vanita Gupta. And you know what I found, ladies and gentlemen? I found out that this organization really is a radical social justice organization. Oh, yes. Let me read you a few excerpts from their website. Fight for racial justice, one page says. The crisis of police... Listen to how they phrase this. This is from an organization run by who will likely become Joe Biden's associate attorney general. Listen to how they talk about law enforcement. And then you tell me if she stands with the uh, the police. End police brutality. The crisis of police killing black people has reached a new boiling point, they write. Don't want to stay silent? Call your senators and tell them to make it clear that police brutality and violence have no place in America. Well, it's true. It doesn't. No one wants a police force that is violent for no reason, that um, is racist. Um, I just don't think that's the case. I never have and I probably never will. Together, we must demand bold and sweeping action and break the cycle of violence towards black communities. Violence towards black communities. Violence towards black communities. I certainly hope shes they're not implying here that law enforcement is a violent threat to black communities. I hope not. Because that's absurd. These brave men and women in in, uh, in blue put their lives on the line every damn day to protect these communities. Our leaders must support real accountability measures to change policing culture and invest in black communities and other and others hardest hit by over criminalization. Demand change now. She is the president of a radical left-wing organization, ladies and gentlemen. Now, if we go over to another page here, we can read where it talks about fighting against hate with a picture of someone protesting holding a resist sign. Now again, it sounds good, right? That's a it's a great headline, fighting against hate. Sounds good. No one likes hate. I hate hate, (laughs) but listen to how they talk on their website. The No Ban Act, 
is the first civil rights bill in history that explicitly protects Muslims by rejecting Trump and Stephen Miller's xenophobia and white nationalism. The House passed the No-Ban Act to help ensure that no president can enact any kind of sweeping and discriminatory ban. Now tell the Senate to pass the No-Ban Act immediately and stop this administration. This has obviously not been updated in in a little while. Stop this administration's anti-Muslim bigotry. No president should be able to ban people from our country based on national origin or religion. All families must be able to live freely together. Uh, Tell Congress to pass the No-Ban Act now. So, you know, calling Trump xenophobic, white nationalist, um, doesn't exactly scream um, level-headedness or, you know, moderate politics. And then lastly, I'll just read one more, because I thought this was interesting. Again, from this woman's website, Vanita Gupta, who's going to be in the Biden administration. Our children deserve safe schools. This really gets to the heart of how she and her organization feel about cops. As the nation wrestles with how to ensure the health and safety of children in schools, one thing is not the answer. The police. Studies have shown police in schools cause harm to black Native, Latino, LGBTQ students, girls, and students with disabilities. I don't know what study they're citing there. Something tells me it's pretty skewed. It also leads to higher rates of arrest among students. What children need instead are counselors and nurses. Um, and then it goes on. But that's the, that's the gist of it. So, anti-cop. Anti-law enforcement. Look, I'm not saying that schools don't need counselors and nurses. They absolutely 100% do. Social workers, all the rest. But why can't we have those in addition to police officers? I just point this out, folks, because I thought it was very interesting. To, to dive into... Um, who this woman is. She is president and CEO of a a radical social justice leftist organization. And she's likely going to become Joe Biden's associate attorney general. Oh, and at one point too, she, uh, I I was going to bring this up, um, get more in depth into it, but I don't have much time. She, I believe it was in 2012. Um, she's also written about decriminalizing hard drugs, hard drugs. I'm not talking about a little pot. I'm talking about heroin, cocaine, meth, and so on and so forth. She's written about decriminalizing them. She was actually asked about it Um, in the hearing yesterday, and of course she said, well, those aren't my views anymore, I don't believe in that. Um, But that's another red flag to me, and it should be to you as well. So I don't know, folks, I I have a bad feeling about this. I um, I think that Joe Biden's Justice Department is going to do more harm than good over the next four years. I think they're going to... Um, 
divide us even further among racial lines. And it's all going to be because of policies like this. Policies that don't back the police, don't give them the support they need, but rather make it more difficult for the cops to do their jobs. Like ending qualified immunity. Mark my word, she's going to do it, and much more. I'll be right back. Let me get to uh, this nut job, Maxine Waters, who, by the way, is an absolute racist um, and is uh, one of the most hateful liberal Democrats, I think, in modern-day politics. I really believe that. She was being interviewed on... Let me see if I could find it here. On Tell me if you guys have ever heard of this. Spectrum News 1's In Focus SoCal... I don't know. I've never heard of it. It must be a California station. I don't know. But um, the interviewer was, uh, or the anchor, I should say, was someone named Tanya McRae. Never heard of her in my life. But anyway, take a listen. And we're going to move forward to 1992. During the LA riots, you were a huge figure and leader within the black community and famously said, quote, riot is the voice of the unheard. And almost 30 years later, we again... Riot is the voice of the unheard. Isn't that radical? Don't you guys over there on whatever station this is, uh, Spectrum News 1... Don't you think that's radical to say that riot is the voice of the unheard? It should never be. There's no excuse for rioting. But you say that in in the form of a question to Maxine Waters as if it's something to celebrate, as if it's like a like a big heroic statement. Keep listening. Racial tensions explode in this country after the death of George Floyd. Why do you think this country has such difficulty learning from history and making real changes when it comes to violence and injustice done to black people? What is she talking about? I'm going to get to Maxine Waters in a minute. But just that question alone, why has America had so much trouble addressing injustices towards minorities or blacks or Violence towards black. What is she talking about? We have made so much progress, ladies and gentlemen. Do you understand that slavery has been around on this earth for thousands of years? Thousands of years. We got rid of it in a couple hundred years. We had an entire movement in this country. A civil rights movement. Is that not substantial? Is that not significant? Is that not an example of America making progress? In 2008, we elected a black president. Is that not America making progress? Anyway, let's hear how Maxine Waters responds. Uh, I believe that it stems from the history of this country. It stems Mm -hmm. from slavery, uh, when whites were absolutely in charge, and they absolutely controlled the lives of uh, people and their families. If they decided to separate families... What's funny is that she talks about control, right? Some people controlling other people. Sounds like the Democrat Party, doesn't it? I think this woman needs to look at her own damn party. If she's so concerned about group A controlling group B, some people controlling others in this country, 
The liberals are the controllers in chief. Honestly. Where their massive regulations, their their ridiculous laws, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. I'm just saying, I, I think that she could benefit from looking inward a bit. That's all I'm saying, Maxine. Send the boys in one direction, the girls in another direction, uh, the mothers to the big house. I mean, they've always been in charge. And I think that this thinking about the need to control, the need to, Mm. you know, make sure that people stay in their place, so-called, has been, you know, what has been uh, basically what has happened in America uh, for all of these years. And I think it continues in various ways, sometimes a little bit more sophisticated ways. uh, But the police, I think, really believe and in some ways are led to believe that their greatest challenge and their greatest chore is to keep, uh, you know, black people in their place. The fact that this woman really believes that, and I believe that she really believes that, It's sick. These brave men and women who put their lives on the line to keep our communities safe, to keep us safe, the people safe, regardless of skin color. Doesn't matter if you're white, black, brown, yellow, purple, doesn't matter. They protect the community. And for this idiot to go on television and say that, uh, I think... Most of the cops, you know, they think that it's their job to keep black people in, in check, to keep them in place. That is, that is absolutely sick. That is a sick, disgusting, twisted comment. I mean every word of that, ladies and gentlemen. That is absolutely horrible. So disrespectful to our men and women in in blue. So terribly disrespectful. And by the way, she talks about race. She talks about how, you know, this country has a long history of oppressing black people and so on and so forth. I just want to remind Maxine Waters that it was her party. It was her party. Her party. That supported the KKK. It was her party. That supported Jim Crow laws. It was her party. That supported segregation. It was her party. That opposed the Civil Rights Act. The Democrats. The Democrats. Republicans. Are for the Civil Rights Act. Republicans. Stood against the KKK. Stood against segregation. Republicans. Ended slavery. Democrats supported slavery. So if she wants to get into the history of this country, the racial history of this country, again, I would urge her to look at her own party. Because the history of the Democrat Party is a very, very dark history. It just is. It just is. So I'm sorry to end on that note, folks. I know most of you listening right now have uh, blood pressure shooting through the roof, but... You know, that's just how it goes sometimes. We have to deal with these idiots as they come. All right, this last call, last message, is from a caller named Anthony. Take a listen. Hello, I hope I have the right number. 
You well, do. My name is Anthony, and I also live in Connecticut, as you, Jason. I am so sorry. Um, I do have one question. Is that in any scenario, do you think that abortion might be okay? But me personally, I think that if someone gets sexually assaulted and they get pregnant, that has, like, maybe abortion is okay. I'm going to say something a little controversial. I disagree. I disagree. I'm, I am very pro-life. In fact, I'm pro-life in all scenarios except for when the mother's life is in danger. Now, I'll go more into abortion, um, my thoughts on it, my views in another podcast. We only have a few minutes left here, but um, just know that I am very much pro-life. I don't think that the baby should suffer. Um, due to the criminal acts of the father. I think that that baby is a life, contrary to the views of many on the left who think it's just a clump of cells or who think it's like a parasite growing inside the mother. I think that baby is a life. And I think as such, it has the right to life, the, the right to live. So I'm very much against abortion. I think it's a terrible, terrible act. Um... And um, I, I would love to see this country grow more towards the pro-life side of the argument rather than the pro-choice side. But now with Joe Biden in office, I talked a little bit earlier about Javier Becerra and his past um, support for, for abortion. I, I don't know. I think the pendulum is going to swing, unfortunately, towards um, the side of pro-choice before it eventually swings back towards pro-life. But those those are my... That's the basics on what I believe regarding abortion. Again, I could go much more into it, um, but that's something for another podcast, another time. All right, so there you go. There was the first ever Best of Jason Veely episode. Again, I so apologize for not being able to do a normal show tonight, but like I said, I will be back tomorrow, Thursday, for a normal episode, so look forward to that. Thanks so much for listening, guys. God bless, and God save this great nation.